Hey everyone, Mike here. Our mini-sode this week is all about that heartbreaking story known as The Vision by Tom King and Gabriel Walta. Kate and I talk about it, Kate and I cry about it. As always, full spoilers for the run of the series. I also have to mention that we only have four weeks left on our survey and we want to know what you think of the show. Take the survey, enter to win a prize, it's quick and easy. Head over to ircbpodcast.com survey to take it. Super easy. Now onto the show. This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your co-host this week. I am Mike Rappin, and with me for a very special episode is Kate Scotchless. Hello. Thank you for joining us this week. We are here for a special episode to talk all about The Vision by Tom King, Gabriel Hernandez-Walta, colors by Jordi Belair, letters by Clayton Cowell, Cowles, and covers mostly by Mike Del Mundo, with special guest Michael Walsh in the middle of the series. Just a warning before we get started on this whole discussion, full spoilers for The Vision from 2015, all 12 issues. We're going to go into the nitty-gritty of everything about this series. So, Kate, let's talk about this. This this book made my heart hurt, and it's all your fault. <laughs> I just want to say that. I mean, you're welcome. You're welcome, Mike. <laughs> I have been... Pre- I sang this book's praise every month that came out on the show. Yes. Yes. And no one believed me. Everyone thought I was reading the Silly Vision thing. And then it started popping up on lists of best books you're not reading. <laughs> and then it started oh, yeah. popping up okay. on every list of best books of the year. Mm-hmm. And it, it started in October of 2015 and ran until to October 2016. So it it was around, I think in 2016 when it started showing up on all the lists of like things, things you should be reading and that stuff. I'm like, see, right. you guys, see, external validation proving my point. And I was <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, maybe we'll get to it. I might look at the trade. And yeah, well, here's the thing. As someone who understands that there are sometimes these books like Sleeper Hits, like The Vision, or mm-hmm. for instance, Hawkeye, I, these books tend to be about characters that I don't really care too much about. And, <laughs> you know, Sometimes you make a bet on one of these types of books and they don't pay off and it stinks, right? No, I understand. This just happened to be, I mean, in my defense, this happened to be a book that I didn't put my bets on. And quite honestly, like I said, I didn't have any interest in the vision. And when I started reading this book, I still was a little skeptical because there were a ton of questions. I know like in my notes, I just was reacting to the book. So my notes are just like, why is this happening? This is stupid. Why is everyone dumb? Why is this book so stupid? And then eventually became, why is my heart breaking? Why did you do this to me? (laughs) What has Tom King done to me? (laughs) I did. I did begin to care about it. I mean, like it it took maybe two or three issues for me to really get invested. Me too. But I think that that that's a credit to Tom King because usually it takes you a little. I think in superhero books, uh, it usually takes you a longer time to get into a character like this. Right. And usually it's full within, arcs. Yeah, it, within the first two or three issues, like I said, I think I was invested. I mean, to the point where I, I started the some of my questions from issue one were like, so did Vision create this family so he could have discussions about what humans are about? Because <laughs> there was a lot of back and forth with that. It's just yep. like, what is normal? What is it to be normal? Why are we doing these things? And everything was really robotic and it was a little off-putting. And then as you read the more and more of the story, I mean, it starts to make sense why the the characters, his wife Virginia, Viv and Vin, his, his children are kind of acting that way. They're trying to assimilate. They're trying to become quote unquote normal. They're trying to be humans. And it like it wasn't until issue three where I think I was like, wow, 
Okay. So now I get what's going on here. I've talked on the show about how this is like my one of my biggest regrets in comics is I started picking this up in digital and I didn't be, realize that this was going to be like one of my greatest loves until issue like I really was into it by three but I wasn't like I have to have this to hug, hug and holding forever kind of love until totally. probably like five, issue five and then mm-hmm. it was too late to go back and get the floppies because the shops didn't have them and oh, right, I, just had right. to, I keep getting digital if, if I, I mean I'm it's not like I'm going to have part of a run in digital and part in print. Like, that can't happen. So I assume right. they'd give me a hardcover omnibus, but so far, Marvel is not being cool about that. Um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Well, I don't know, man. Um, so I think in case that anyone hasn't read it and is listening, despite there being full spoilers, just a brief rundown is Vision... Uh, decides he's going to create himself a family using the brainwaves of Scarlet Witch. And Which we don't find out till a little bit later, even though I had my guesses. Right. Being a Marvel Universe person. Exactly. And then he combines their two brainwaves to make their twins, Viv and Vin, which I'm definitely going to get flipped around and say wrong um, because it's impossible when you're speaking about them. to. <laughs> not, it's like a tongue twister, right? Viv and Vin. Oh, totally. Twins. And then they have a dog, Sparky. Mm-hmm. Uh, also made by brainwaves. Uh, you know, that's what happens when you <laughs> off the neighbor's dog. <laughs> you need yeah, some brainwaves. Yeah. See, uh, that was the one thing, I mean, th- about this book. I was just like, why are so many animals dying in this comic book? Like, it was it was rough. Wait, which other animal died? There was, uh, they, they, where where was it? There was, a, there was a couple animals that died in this book. It was like the dog, and then another dog got killed, and a cat got killed. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, during the car- flashbacks. Yep. Yeah, all, a bunch of animals died, and I, mostly the cat scene was really rough, because it was, I didn't know what was going on, and then, you know, the, it turns out it was this old woman who had seen the future and was telling the future, which, by the way, that was the coolest way to do narration yep. for a series. I was, my mind was blown completely. Like, that was such a cool thing. It didn't felt propped up. Like, I have to credit Tom King from issue one. He's laying pieces of foreshadowing oh, it is throughout the, the story. the tightest book ever. The tightest Yeah. Book. And the like, part of what allows it to be so tight is Walta's art takes on a huge amount of the storytelling, which is yeah. awesome. That's what you want in a comic book. Mm-hmm. There was there was a moment in issue six when the when the neighbor's dog dies, mm-hmm. and you see Vision like working on this dog. I originally thought that he was like cutting up the dead human that was buried in his backyard. I know, but me too. I think you're supposed to think that. Yeah, and there was a moment where Vision's looking down, and he's got this grimace, and I realized where I had seen Walta's art before, and it was in the Cullen Bunn book, Magneto, that he those two worked together on. Huh. And of course, all throughout that Magneto book, Magneto was just killing people left and right, and there's blood everywhere. And I was like, oh, I, I recognize that face smear of blood. <laughs> this is a, this is the type of like sullen, angry face that I recognize. And I was kind of had like a little cognitive dissonance. I was like, wait, this, those are different books. That's not what's happening here. Vision isn't that bad of a guy but dot, they dot, use dot, it as a, yeah there i mean that's part of his descent into like oh look he actually can be really violent and um how he he starts going there you know and going darker and darker as he's forced farther and farther yeah there and i never would have thought vision to be that character in in my head vision has always been kind of an like unstoppable 
fury of positivity like he's always like he doesn't he's not a human yeah he's like the superman yeah so he doesn't embrace the sadness all the time like you know his co-conspirators in in the avengers such as you know thor or iron man they're not really co-conspirators but i like that i think (laughs) that they're whatever illuminati stuff but i i've never really seen this side of this character and again it's like one of those things where i never thought to read a vision comic book before so i i was i was really kind of blown away that to see the um, the amount of emotional depth they gave to this character as he and his wife not only fight amongst each other but with the world around them in the most normal of ways i thought yep like for instance when vin gets in trouble at school and virginia and uh the vision they go down and they talk to the principal and they have this like discussion and like th- there's like like things are heated and they argue a little bit and it felt normal like the dialogue was robotic because you know they're robots they're, or synthesoids. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Yeah, so <laughs> they're sorry, not robots. They're synthesoids, <laughs> and it, but it, to me, it felt like a normal relationship in in the way that they were discussing and like the problems they were both having. We both care about this child. He's in trouble. What are we going to do about it? You know, things like that, and it felt really normal. So yeah, the ultimate joke there being that at the end they're they're all trying to strive for this sense of normalcy to be similar to humans when. I think that they have already demonstrated that, and maybe that's like the ultimate irony here. Well, yeah, I think that's part of what, when we're talking about King doing a lot of showing instead of telling, he does that a lot with both of them, demonstrating their relationships with each other through their actions and how normal they are. So um, that's a great example of going to the school and it's for, and talking the way a parent would to the um, being upset and defending their kid. Um, there's another one in issue three that I thought was a really powerful scene where Tony Stark is helping Vision shock Viv back to life using his own body as a conduit. And it shows just that insanely intense, fierce, and desperate love that he has for his daughter. And you think, these aren't aren't robots. These are, he's real. He loves his daughter. And so instead of, you know, a little dialogue back saying, oh, I love her so much, or the Vision loved his daughter, to the moon and back kind of thing you like you see it you see it and you feel it and you're like oh king why are you doing this to me and the same thing with virginia and vin like in the same issue she's going after him about aren't you gonna get the door and like what what are you here for and he's like well i'm trying to do this other thing you said i can't do everything at once you know it's like the discussion (laughs) that every mother of a teen boy has had with their kid you know like and it's totally a 100 percent demonstration of their humanity and normalcy like it's it's just normal and yet they're not and the world is rejecting them and i think that's what he's getting at is that we see as the readers are seeing how normal how human they are on the inside and yet what their community is seeing is the outside and that's right. where he draws a lot of these um comparisons so there's that whole thing with the american indian comparison where um you you get the re- reoccurring motif the school's old mascot um, is it an Indi- uh, offensive Indian? I think it, I don't remember what it was. Yeah, it was it was a Native American like on a football. Yeah, but I mean, like it was like they were like the the Braves, but not the Braves because it's licensed. But you know what yeah, I mean? It's yeah. some some name. Yeah. But anyway, and that image keeps reoccurring. And the thing like the uh, CK's dad is like, I don't dislike you. I just want you out. Your kind doesn't belong here. And that's that whole same yeah. argument of like, I don't have a problem with you. I just want you guys to be in your own community away from me where I don't have to deal with it. 
And yeah, then, there was some really strong touches on like racism in this book. Well, I that, think that's what, a strong point of the. That's like a theme of the book is being an outsider yeah, yeah. and the fact that they're they are inside the same as everyone else, and yet their bodies make them different, and they're rejected for that. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think that's King's message, you know. There's also the Jew comparison and talking a lot about what makes us human. And I think that yeah. that's the obvious comparison there because genocide is always the rejection of another's humanity, right? And so yeah. there's that whole thing where Vince says to his mother, you know, if you prick me, do I bleed? Basically, you that, know, am I human? Yeah, that ha- that whole moment where with Vin, where he listens to his classmate read that piece of Shakespeare. Yep. Like, I, I usually am not, like, rocked by any mean of... of when it comes to Shakespeare, like it's not something that I go, oh wow, this is so deep. Just call me. I am uncultured. I've said this many times <laughs> on the show before. I'm not gonna not gonna try to explain myself here. But in that scene where Vin has this realization, like of what is actually being said, and it like sticks with him, it gets in yep. his head, and it's all he can think and he about. Keeps repeating like, that it. Was, yep. And it, yeah, and it was it was so striking to me. Like I I again couple issues into this book and i'm already hooked and like in love with these characters and the fact that he was so he was so strongly attached to that whole bit that he kept reading it over and over and over trying to understand it to try to talk to others about it like am i this person am i a a human being like that was such a wonderful like a wonderful way to put that all together with what else is being said in this book so to tom king's credit fantastic job with character development like there's no I can't think of another book where I felt so attached to characters so quickly, and I felt that they were so developed in such a small amount of time. This is only a 12-issue series, and so by the end of issue 9, 10, I'm losing my goddamn mind, right. you know? Well, Victor and- Mancha shows up in this story, and for those of you who don't know who Victor Mancha is, he's a character that showed up in Runaways. He is like a child of ultron in some weird way and they do explain it they do explain it really well in in this book so i encourage you to read it just just to get that little bit of story but he shows up in the in the show or excuse me he shows up in the comic as vision's brother and i never put that together and i thought that was such a cool way to make a more like stronger family bond to say look we actually have an uncle that can come to visit uh, that was uh, I, I love those moments that they had with the characters that Victor had with them, and I mean, it turns out it was all for nefarious purposes or semi-nefarious. The Avenger, Avengers were trying to look into the Vision family, but ultimately, I thought that was really nice that they were able to experience that as a group, and I felt very warm about it. And like the knife got twisted as we revealed what was actually going on there. So I, sure. oh, th- this book progresses and just like wrecked me. Well, and I think part of how he's able to do that so quickly and so strongly is a lot of scenes do double duty. Like the one you were talking about where Vin is exposed to the Merchant of Venice scene and is so hooked by it and enamored. I mean, yes, there's all that. The the scene itself in Shakespeare is about... Uh, what makes what makes us human and uh, the character in Shakespeare and then then himself are both struggling. That's why he identifies with it with struggling with am I human? What is my humanity? You know, how do I do others see it kind of thing? But at the same time, what teenager hasn't found something that resonates super hard with them that they get really obsessed with and want to talk to everyone about whether it's a movie or a book or a TV show or a sports team like Every teen boy has that thing where they're like, man, this is the best. And like, that is the most a, normal thing, right? 
Yeah, as a former teen boy, I can totally <laughs> You can <relate>. attest, yeah. <laughs> well, and yeah. then the same thing, we see that with, um, here we go, I'm going to, I want to say Vin, but no, it's Viv. Um, with yes. Viv and her conversation with her lab partner, this guy, and it's like the most awkward conversation, but it's this little budding romance, and she keeps replaying it over and over, because again, as a teen, you're like, oh, I'm so into this person, I'm crushing so hard, this and that, and so you see that happening, but at the same time, the conversation that she's replaying is about the rain going right through her. Like, don't you get wet? Don't you need an umbrella? No, I just let the rain go right through me, which is that whole, like, I let, you know, I let it pass through me, I let it go, and she's coming to her own conclusions about what works and what is different and what's setting her apart from this kid and, you know, what's getting in the way. And so that mixed with how much you get to care for a character because of how much a different character cares about them. Like the whole scene with um, Vision reviving Viv and like you're talking about with um, Victor and Vision, like there's so many scenes where he's idolizing Vision so hard. It's like this little brother idolizing his big brother and you you feel it because you know it. It's not some unique concept. It's like this thing that we all have experienced or have seen a million times in our life, you know? And so and these I are think, just synthesoids, right? And they're, right. they're not sure if they're humans. And by definition, we're like, no, 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 you're doing all the things that I would do. I understand right. that. And yet they don't look like humans and therefore they get all the, these problems. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to push into, we need to talk about the art in this oh, book because I know that so we've kind of skirted around it a little bit, but... Oh my goodness, Walta's art in this story. I, I know that the first time I experienced his art was not in Magneto, but in Astonishing X-Men when he, he was on the book with uh, Marjorie Liu. And the one as soon as I saw the first couple pages of this book, I was like, there's those faces. There's those faces <laughs> yep. that I recognize. Because when I, when I was reading Astonishing X-Men, I didn't really care for the art. I didn't hate it at the time, but I, I didn't care for it. But the one thing that Walta can do that is very hard for a lot of people is he can draw faces in the simplest way with a ton of emotion in mm-hmm. them it's like david aha you know like he can do the exact same thing i mean Walda does it in a completely different way but it's very impressive to see how little is actually drawn on a face and how strong of an emotion is being conveyed oh yeah so I especially have to it's a freaking robot face like there's not a yeah. lot to work with there and yet yeah that's what i mean where part of what makes king's scripts so tight isn't king it's walta he can do so much with just a little bit of stuff like that with just like that like a shocked expression like the shock and horror or the love in eyes when they're looking at someone else it's like you don't need anything else you get it it's right there right and, and to Walter's credit, as much as you know, King was writing foreshadowing and things, I think that there was a ton of work done on Walter's part where he was placing things in the background, reminding yes. you that these things existed. Yep. Like the plant that they had throughout the entire series that, that basically, you know, kind of circled back to the from the first issue all the way to the last issue um, was kind of this center focus and, and background piece throughout every scene that sure. was in their home. And the floating and vase, it, too. And the floating vase. Like, these were key things, and they were just kind of placed nonchalantly in the background. And you, honestly, upon, like, first reading the first couple of issues, I didn't realize it, but as I started to progress through the book, I realized, wow, these things are showing up quite a bit. And it wasn't in your face, but if you're looking for it, you'll definitely notice these very focal very important pieces of the story that are just there in the background and they're going to build to this culmination of an end that who 
Yeah, it is, is, yeah. Is, it hurts. And it's magnificent. I mean, I loved I loved in the last couple of issues, the one thing that I had to say about issue number 11 was that there was an ad for this movie called <laughs> Omega the Unknown. Yeah. And that's, I think, a book that Walta worked on like a long time ago. I don't remember who was on it, but I remember trying to read that book and it was really weird and out there. And I just, it made me giggle because I remember thinking this is going to be a really good book and I thought it was, I was going to be really into it and I just could, did, never kept up with it. And I think that was also a 12 issue series. And the fact that it just showed up, I was kind of like, is in the middle of this fight or this moment that was about to be a fight between the Avengers and Vision. And I was just, all I could think of was, oh my gosh, that's Omega the Unknown. What the <laughs> hell is going on here? So <laughs> like I, there was just this moment of just my eyes just widened. I was totally blown away. Yeah, there's a lot. Of, I mean, and there's so much symbolic stuff dropped into, like rereading, like you were saying, with noticing the things over. You would notice those so much more when you go back and read it again. I thought the real, like if you want to see the like one one page or panel that's like the most, that this is why Walt's art works so well kind of thing and how it did so much, is there's this one really beautiful page in issue 12 where Vision is standing in the doorway of his house, kind of like his, with his back against the door frame. And so he's like one foot in the house and one foot out. And it's, there's light on in the house that's kind of glowing out, but it's dark outside. So he's like one foot in the light and one foot in the dark. And it's just really, it's this point in the story where he's oh boy. really stuck between the worlds, right? He has one world, a foot in the human world and one in the machine. And he's one one side hero, one side villain. And are, is he part of the family or its creator? The, he built it, you know, kind of this whole, he's apart from them because he made them. And mm-hmm. it's just the most isolated in between and then it moves on from there obviously to show his actions and his decisions and what happens but it's so beautiful and powerful without a single word like you don't need five pages of things happening to explain where he's at in life right there like you get it just from that one panel yeah yeah i <laughs> yeah Walt walta did a fantastic job and, and of course we had the amazing jordy belair on oh, this the comic the colors are incredible and she yeah always. she nails her it. stuff it's, is it's, always superb exactly like there i don't know what else we can really say on this show about her because we pretty much did it half of an episode about her (laughs) when we talked about colorists so we you know we always give jordi Belair praise because she deserves it and she's amazing (laughs) okay so michael walsh walsh also stepped into this book for an issue where they did an entire focus on the scarlet witch right and oh boy i love michael walsh's work you know i the first time i saw him was in uh that worst X-Men ever series with Mike. With, <laughs> oh, uh, that's still sitting uh, on my to-be-read pile. Yeah, Max Bemis wrote that. I, I love his art. He he knows, again, he's another character that knows how to do faces really well. Uh-huh. And I think he's gotten better um, over time from the, some of the older stuff that I've seen. But his issue with Scarlet Witch, oh man, there was so much love between Vision and Scarlet Witch. It was breaking my heart when they were tearing everything apart and basically the build up to Wanda going crazy it turns out the children aren't real all this very terrible and emotional stuff right and you see vision not really sure how to deal with it and yet and then you flash forward back to the story you know when we get into the in the present and you see that he's grown and he's learned from those situations like uh, upon reflection based on how he was in the past is a very subtle difference but it's enough that you can notice it and i i gotta credit like the the difference between these two artists showing like the stoic 
robotic vision in issue seven and then later in issues eight and onward you see a more emotional more developed vision and it's all in facial expression i think that that really define that well facial inspection he's he's become more empathetic and aware of feelings and bonds and stuff i mean his his family has humanized him you know he is through the bonds aren't our bonds to other humans what really ultimately makes us human right like that's you you feel for and care for other people and that's why when people are like sociopathic and can't empathize or bond to others we're like they're monsters they're not human they're you know and that's really terrifying to us so we make a million crime tv shows about it in movies right. <laughs> but they're typically isolated individuals right, right? like keep to themselves well so the he part. he's not like like that's what what makes us human is our relation to each other right and our bonds so i thought like yeah he's developed but then in our ending we see that really he hasn't come as far as he could have, right? So Virginia commits suicide because she saw the future where vision destroys the future for her, right? And you cry a million tears. But then you get this ending scene where Viv has really accepted who she is. And she says to her dad, I am not normal. He's like, you know, do this thing to fit in. She's like, no. I, And then she straight up says, I am not normal. And that's that's okay with her. She's made peace, right? She's going to go on to do awesome things in other team books. Um, but then... Yeah, she's in that Champions book yeah, right now. I forgot. <laughs> I almost started reading it because of that, but I read, like, preview pages, and I was like, oh, this l- seems a little little too juvenile. It was a little on the nose when I read it. I, I did happen to pick that one yeah. up. Yeah. But that... So she's come to terms in peace with it, right? But Vision... We see he he like she she takes off for school right and then he goes down to the base like closes the shades and closes the door and so he's in darkness in the house and goes down to his basement where he we see he's secretly working on reviving Virginia and he's just really isolated yeah. from the world and closed off and dark and that's the end and you're just broken inside and you need yeah. ice cream. <laughs> there was I I I yeah the ending was was kind of weird because I. I was reading it on online, so I, I didn't like it. I was reading it in guided view, so I didn't know what page I was on. I didn't know where the end of the page was, and that being like as things were building, and you saw the, the you know Virginia die, you saw you know the the explanation of what was happening. You saw this whole flip out thing where she had to kill the dog in order to get the pedal, and there was a whole thing. And I was just like, oh my god, everything's coming together, and it's just like it broke my heart i wanted i wanted more of that character not that i needed her to survive in the story but i wish that i could have heard more of her story before that because we don't know how much time necessarily passed in this series but i would have i would have loved gladly paid for another you know four or five issues of just the visions doing vision things going to restaurants not eating anything and then just paying the bill as if they going to restaurants (laughs) shit talking thanos yes yeah well okay or ultron sorry sorry i will say that the what in number six they answered the one question that i think i've had since i started reading marvel comics why does thanos look like a scroll and Vision sums it up and then gets cut off a little bit. But oh my gosh, when that happened, I like jumped out of my chair with joy. I was like, they finally said it. Somebody somebody addressed it. And I'm sure somebody said it in another book. But they actually brought it up and started to talk about why it makes sense and all this difference. And then, of course, they get cut off. They have another conversation. But uh, yeah, wow. And then, of course, at, as it, at issue six, like the book starts to get real dark. People start dying. The house burns down. The dog dies. And then the dog is back, but it's not. And I was like, oh, you can't bring a dog into the store because I know things are going to get bad now. But- they, um, that was pretty fun. They let the reader 
name the readers name the dog like you could submit your thing i don't know if you get the got the back matter and went the form you were I reading did. yeah but that I was read in, it in, in month to month that was fun because there was a, like a bit of a break and then they came back with the new arc and they had picked the winner name and all that stuff and that was pretty yeah, cool yeah there was there was some really fun stuff in the letters uh, and if you do have the chance to purchase the single issues of this book the letters specifically tom king's opening because i think he actually responded to the letters it wasn't his editor like yeah. they do in other books his openers to every single one made, like made me look forward to finishing an issue because he always had like some fun little thing to say and it, it was one of those things that really warmed my heart after the book was so sad and yeah terrible. exactly here's um, your pop it really warmed my heart yeah because he he like he really cares about comic books and you and not to say that anyone doesn't but we got a one-on-one with him at the end of those issues and that was really cool and even in the final issue when we saw the the commentary and thank yous from all the creators that were on the book you could tell like these people genuinely care and i think that's something we we say a lot and we want to see a lot of but this is like proof this is proof that you can get in a comic book today about how much these people care about comic books and it was it was very heartwarming i will say like despite all of the all of the bad stuff that had happened it kind of made me realize that there's more to this story there's more to these people and i want to keep reading to support them because what they're doing is important not only to them but to us and tom king at the end of one of the issues saying i can't believe i did that i felt so bad writing this <laughs> issue goes back to you know yeah. an episode that we recorded earlier where we talked about books that break your heart and it just goes to show like he was his he was dying on the inside a little bit as well with us and that's it's well, heartwarming like to said, know that there's someone else out there with that i don't i don't remember which creator he was talking about but he said someone said oh I, yeah great Morrison. i was crying this made me cry it's like well i was crying when i wrote it and i think that's exactly the same thing you know it, yeah. they're they write it with feeling and you feel it if they do it well like they do here so i want to say real quick before we go so i when we talk about oh, batman yeah. oh, man. Now, look at how much time I've is said, oh my goodness <laughs> i know right there's so much more to say read these books yeah. they're incredible um you can get volumes one and two out right now at wherever you get your comic trades um so we've been talking a lot about the new Batman series, right? That Tom King's writing. He mm-hmm. negotiate. He w- went over to DC, but negotiated his contract to finish up the Vision, which also is just more proof of how dedicated he was to this, right? Right. Um, but anyway, so the first like arc of Batman, I kept saying like, well, it's kind of disappointing. I wanted this to be as good as Vision, and it's not. How do you think they compare? How, oh, King's. Oh yeah, because I read both of those. You I read you both do. of those. <laughs> I will say that King's Batman was to start was not as strong as I was hoping on the uh, uh, but the reason I say that is because I was also in the middle of reading Snyder's run. So, I was maybe I may be a little biased, but I think that now that we've gotten past Night of the Monster Men in the series, the story has really really picked up. We're starting to get much stronger connections with characters, and I don't know if it's maybe because he's he's writing Batman and Batman is kind of a hard character to add emotion to outside of being angry yeah see i haven't had the same feelings like i'm interested in the plot like what's going to happen next but i haven't had any of the same emotional type reactions where i care really strongly about a character like yeah okay batman spoilers here folks but like when catman (laughs) we think she betrays him i'm like well there you go like it it doesn't matter to me you didn't make me care and then when it's like nope she didn't i'm like oh okay then she didn't like it's right well and i think that 
with that, it was it's more for people that are more I think a little more invested in those characters. They know they have a history. I thought that the connection between the two of them was really great. I I personally reading that issue, I thought the whole spiel that she gave about you know why she murdered people and all this stuff and yeah. Batman kind of saying, I forgive you in a weird way like was relieving it was like she knew that she had done wrong she but she had to do it and batman saying i know that this isn't right but i will give you this one thing that i know that you want because then tonight we can be happy together like the whole thing about right. pain yeah you know I, I don't it's full spoilers for that batman issue sorry but i think that he does know how to inject the emotion it's just harder with batman because he's usually in the cowl and in yeah. the cowl he's a more serious guy you can't you got to find that nice moment that between same- that same but you got to find that serious. moment between when he's in the cowl versus not in the cowl but he's not Bruce Wayne. You've got to find that moment and that's where you can inject the emotion in Batman. Whereas in Vision, <sighs> sorry, go on with your point. Man, I disagree because Vision's always in the cowl and yet he's able to deal with with that. And so I was hoping he would be able to take where Vision in other iterations and maybe every iteration, I don't know. I haven't read tons of Vision, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there's another Vision like this. Usually he's that annoyingly overpowered Superman sunny character and really robotic. And I've equated him a lot in my mind to Batman, where Batman, to me, can come off um, in certain writers. Obviously, I really like Snyder's run, at least the parts that I've read. I've read the first four volumes. But anyway, yeah. he in a lot of iterations comes off as very two-dimensional and i was thinking oh boy tom king's gonna make batman like he's gonna make me really care about batman and these villains that are so like oh i'm a mobster or, oh i'm crazy and literally my entire character is just being crazy and you know like that kind of a quirky you know whatever so i w- yeah. was thinking oh he's gonna bring this really dimensional emotional thing to it and make me care about them and make connections and then it's like other Batman iterations where it's based a lot on you already caring and already knowing. Yeah, I, it, it could be. I, I think that Vision was a unique thing because he was a I, I, he was a very weird character. I know that he that, that the character had had emotion in the past, especially, you know, he did have an entire relationship with Scarlet Witch, so it was a whole thing. But eventually, you know, things will come together and it's, it's tough. But that being said, let's... Uh, Let's call this a good episode. Go read Vision. <laughs> Issues 1 through 12, they're out now. You can buy them on Comixology at your local comic book shop. This book will make you cry in, in all the best ways. It will, and I keep seeing it on sale. So you could get it for a good price, too, if you look on like Comixology sale. If, if the Marvel trade pricing has your heart hurting in, in a paperback form. So. Yeah, yeah. So go check that out. Kate, I'm glad we were able to do this today. This is yeah, a lot thanks, of fun. Mike. Thanks for finally reading yeah. it. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I did this for you. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the I Read Comic Books podcast. This episode was produced by me, Mike Rappin, with editing by Xander Riggs. Special thanks to Kate Scotchless. The music in this episode is brought to you by our favorite band in the universe, Infinity Shred. You can find Infinity Shred at infinityshred.com, as well as on Bandcamp at infinityshred.bandcamp.com. If you enjoy the show, tell someone about it. Rate us online, write to us. You can email the show at ircb at destroythesive.org, and if you want to talk comics with us, find the I Read Comic Books group on Goodreads. We have a monthly book club that we feature here on the show, and we have regular threads about what comics we've been reading. You can ask us questions and comment on each episode at our subreddit, iReadComicBooks.reddit.com. 
The entire podcast team is on Twitter, and you can follow the show at IRCB Podcast for updates and ridiculous retweets. But a great way to experience the podcast, including our back issue bin of episodes and our weekly pull list posting, is to visit us at our website. It's brand spanking new, and it's at a new domain, ircbpodcast.com. Until next time, from all of us here at the show, thank you for listening.